It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Going down the lane, throws it back out to JQ. Fakes a three, looks ahead to Britton, lays it up and in for two. And he got fouled. That call was courtesy of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. That is Chris Stewart, who does our intro. Also want to thank Alabama Athletics for that. I am joined now by the legend, Britton Johnson. If you didn't know his name before, you know it now. BJ, what's going on, my brother? You are the internet and real-life sensation of Tuscaloosa. What's up? Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I don't know about all that, but uh, it, it was definitely a cool night last night. Um, really, above all else, glad we got the win because that would have been uh, a not-fun night had we not pulled it out. But, uh, you know, we got stops when we needed to and got a great win. Yeah, it was a big win, 86-76 to 76 over Missouri, and we'll talk about specifics of the game. But, Britton, let's go ahead and talk about it's not even the elephant in the room because it was like confetti, you know, jumping all over Coleman Coliseum. It was absolutely awesome to see you come in uh, just three and a half minutes into the game. Let's go back as far as you need, but kind of set the scene for us. Um, I know Coach Oates mentioned in his press conference uh, that you were going to maybe be needed uh, and, you know, to stay ready. Um, and so take us into that conversation with Coach Oates. Take us into that situation in the game. Just just carry us here um, and explain and talk about the emotions um, and the details of what went into getting those significant minutes against Missouri on Saturday night. Um, you know, yeah, I, it wasn't like a, anything specific about yesterday that, like, I was supposed to get ready for that game yesterday. But, you know, like a week and a half ago, uh, Coach and Coach Oates and I kind of sat down and talked and um, it was basically something of from my end of like, how can I help this team win? And, you know, playing time came up, but that wasn't even really the point of that conversation. It, it could have been an off the, how can I help off the court? How can I help with scout team even more? How can I help with play calls even more? Like, what can I do? Because I, I really want to help us win. Um, and obviously we were kind of going through a little bit of a rough patch then. And, um, you know, he told me that one thing was just to kind of stay ready, that, you know, you never know uh, when you might be needed. And so, uh, sure enough, we get down 14 to three in the first three and a half minutes of the game. And um, I don't know that I was expecting it, but I wasn't shocked necessarily either just because of the circumstance uh, of the game that that was the time. But uh, sure enough, he, you know, he called my number and, um, I tried to be ready to go. Yeah. I remember I was going to my seat. So I had gotten there right before tip off. Um, so I was waiting until that first media timeout to go to my seats and I sat down, I heard a big uproar from the crowd. I thought, okay, you know, we just fired up, ready to go into this, uh, second little, uh, segment of play here in the first half. And it wasn't until the ball was live that I saw you were in the game. I wasn't really checking that closely to see. Um, but you heard the roar, obviously. Talk about what kind of energy that brought you. Um, and then to go and get those, to, to fill up the, the 
scorebook like you did. I mean, one foul, two points, three rebounds, one of three from the from the field. Um, talk about the energy and what you were able to bring to the floor last night. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, you step on the floor and, and you hear a little bit of a roar and like it took me a second to kind of like realize that it was more or less for me, you know, and uh, so that was a pretty cool feeling. But uh, again, you know, a couple of people asked me, like, were you just super excited to go in? And like, in a sense, absolutely. But on the other hand, we were down 14 to three. So like my mind wasn't even on like, oh, man, it's my time to shine. It's like we we got to win this game. Like. And, and, you know, anything I can do to help out with that, um, I, I wanted to, to help do. And, um, so, you know, I, first couple of possessions, I just right place, right time, got a couple offensive rebounds. Um, you know, I thought as a team and during that stretch, we played pretty well, defensively communicated well um, and got stops. And, you know, had I maybe made a three, uh, it, it would have looked better on the on the plus minus or whatever. But, you know, I thought. Um, definitely that we kind of had had started to turn it around a little bit then just in terms of we got stops um which was the biggest thing we gave up 14 points in three and a half minutes but um you know i, I have great teammates around me jq set me up perfectly for that layup and um so that was really all him there i just kind of was in the right place for it so um but yeah really cool i mean in hindsight, going by in a little bit of a blur, and it was only three minutes, so it's not like I have the whole game to look back on. But, you know, you kind of come out of the game, and I was like, shoot, that really happened. Now we got to win, because if we do, that will be a, a really, really cool memory for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it took me it took me a second to really even process it, like, oh, that actually happened. But uh, just try to you know, be ready, be prepared for that moment. And um, I hope I played well enough to – to, you know, justify Coach Oates' decision to put me in. I would say you absolutely. That is absolutely justified. Uh, in the post game, you were in the post game. Um, you got a couple couple shout outs. We we could go through. This is a podcast, but if this were a video, I would go through and show some of the the tweets and responses um, of you being up there in the podium in the post game. That was awesome. Uh, but Shackelford said, BJ is always ready when his number is called. He's the most blue-collar guy we have. And also, Coach said, we put in BJ to show everybody there's another level of how hard we have to play, and I think BJ showed them. So those two statements and and everything else, I mean, JQ was complimentary of you. Uh, what did that mean to you to hear that from those guys and your coach post game? I was really honored. I, I don't really know how else to kind of say it. Uh, you know, it means a lot to – know that you really have the respect of your peers and of your coach. And, you know, I, I think I said this post game, but, you know, it means a lot to me that, uh, you know, I have a coach that would even trust me enough to, to put me in in that situation and have teammates enough that, that, that trust me enough to um, be in that situation and, and think I'm prepared for it and like believe in me. And, um, you know, so I, I really love everybody in that building and, and, last night meant a lot to me and uh, the way everyone responded and kind of celebrated it also. I mean, that meant as much as the three minutes, you know? Uh, So really, really just felt a lot of love last night. And, you know, I'm really appreciative for that. Did you get a chance to plug your phone back in after the game? I mean, what was your phone looking like in terms of messages? And because I mean, just from hosting this podcast with you and being your friend, 
I can tell you, I got 15 to 20 texts. We probably got 15 to 20, maybe 25 tweet notifications and Instagram tags and all these things. And so just from the social media side, from the account and the podcast that we do together, it was blowing up. But I could only imagine what your phone looked like after the game. Um, yeah, I mean, I got a, I got a good number of texts and messages again, you know, just really meant a lot to me, uh, that people recognize kind of, kind of the work that led into that moment and, and the, you know, the time spent and, uh, just celebrated that moment with me and, and, uh, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. It really did. So if you're listening to this podcast and this is your first time, welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Main Streets podcast. I want to give you a brief overview. This is the only Inside Alabama men's basketball podcast available. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. And we are presented each week by our friends at Full Moon Barbecue. They are our sponsor of the Main Streets podcast. So what we do is I host this podcast with Britain. It is truly Britain's podcast. I'm just here to... Uh, really tee Britain up to ask questions, to talk about what's going on inside the program and to give you a look behind the curtain of everything that happens with Alabama basketball. So we talk about what happened in the past week's games. We preview the upcoming week's games and we talk, you know, we have fan engagement. We want to hear from you. We've got plenty of mailbag questions for today. Um, as I mentioned, sponsored by Full Moon. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mean Streets Pod. We've got plenty of social media content for you there. You can buy merchandise on bandwagonsports.com, click on Team Shop, and click on Mean Streets. We've got hats, shirts, pullovers, vests, and even a golf shirt. That's bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop, and then click on Mean Streets. So thank you so much for listening to the Mean Streets podcast, and we're going to go ahead and get into our normal programming here where we start out talking about what happened this past week and obviously kind of hitting the nail on the head in terms of BJ getting in, getting those three and a half minutes um, the biggest thing that happened this week, obviously, a huge, fantastic, great thing. So, Britain, 13 and six overall. When we talked, when I talked to you last last Sunday, it was 11 and six. And instead of four and three in conference play, it was two and three in conference play. So, a big win on Wednesday, 70 to 67 over LSU. And then, as we just talked about, Saturday, a 10 point win over Missouri. That one didn't even seem like a 10 point win, but take us into those two games. Um, really turning the page from a three-game skid into now winning two games in a row, going into Athens on Tuesday to play Georgia, um, which should be a winnable game for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I mean, getting that getting that win first on Wednesday was just massive for us. Um, you know, coming off that three-game skid, uh, LSU being a very, very good team and one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, and, you know, another game in which we didn't shoot it very well. And um, I think saying we didn't shoot it very well might be an understatement in that I think we were two for 27 on uncontested threes, um, which is not good. So uh, to go in and, and get stops and just play, I, I kind of think we got back to our roots a little bit um, and that we really started to reestablish our identity of just being a blue-collar team and, and just playing really, really hard every possession, I think. That was the most blue-collar points we had accumulated since maybe the Gonzaga game. So uh, we really just – that was our main focus, just play really hard uh, and, and try to get stops and, and let everything else take care of itself. And, um, I, you know, it was just a big win. I don't really know how else to say it. And, and so then you're going in on 
going into the game Saturday against Mizzou, uh, you know, obviously we had lost the game at Mizzou. Um, really wanted to come out with a different energy. Uh, obviously, like we were talking about earlier, that we got down 14 to three all of a sudden again. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit of deja vu for a minute. It's like, is this going to be the, the same thing? Uh, them shooting the absolute lights out of it and, and us really not playing to our standard. Um, and uh, not take it, anything away from them. You know, they, they played outstanding and, and they put themselves in a position to win that game. Um, but luckily, you know, I think we, we kind of figured it out, started to turn it around and um, started focusing on getting stops. And, and really what the biggest thing for this program right now in terms of going from being a pretty good team to a, one of the best teams in the country is we just got to put 40 minutes of basketball together. And it sounds really simple. Uh, we're really close to that. We're, we're putting 32, 36 minutes of great basketball together. But it's, it's these four to eight minute stretches that are just costing us right now. So uh, in the Mizzou game specifically, I think it was the first four, which we had talked about how we got down there of the first half. And then the first four of the second half where they killed us. I mean, they scored 31 points in those that seven and a half, eight minutes. And the rest of the game, they only scored 45 points. So the rest of the game, we played really, really hard and we got stops and we played at a pretty high level, especially considering they were shooting the ball very well. Um, but really, it's just about putting together those 40 minutes. And, and when we start doing that um, and we start making shots at a high clip, which I know we can do, we started to showcase that a little bit in the Mizzou game, but I, we still have a higher ceiling than that. Um, shoot, I think we can play with and, and beat everybody in the country. I mean, right now the number one team in the country is Gonzaga. Uh, obviously, we beat them. Number two is Auburn. They might be number one by the time, you know, this podcast comes out. Um, but we were right there with them. And, you know, I think a couple of things change. And that outcome could be different, not to make excuses, but um, just to say we're right there. We're on the precipice of being a very, very, very good team. And so uh, we just got to really get more consistent and really focus on putting 40 minutes of, of hard playing basketball together. Part of that you mentioned is the three-point shooting. LSU, that game Wednesday, that was a top 15 win for Alabama. Getting that game at home, um, I'm not going to say anything about Will Wade's the uh, attire that he wore because he dressed like he makes um, significantly less money than he does. So Nate Oates was, you know, looking sharp compared to what Will Wade was dressed like. Uh, but that's all I'm going to say about that. Britain in the second half, Alabama didn't hit a three. Y'all didn't hit a three, but it was still the defense and the effort was able to keep you in the game. Let's talk about that three-point shooting and what needs to change, what drills are being done in practice. And um, you talked about being able to shoot at a higher clip. We all know Alabama has plenty of shooters. Obviously, you can tell we're missing Namari Burnett and his ability. He's put out videos and tweets and Instagrams about his, you know, coming back we more than likely will not see him this year but what's being done to try and um sew up the the injury so to speak of this poor three-point shooting percentage yeah i mean I, I, between the lsu and the missouri game i just kind of like 
was trying to go through and to see like, all right, what are the numbers here? What are we looking at? And, and I think up to that point, I haven't factored in the Missouri game. We were shooting 25.9% from three in SEC play, um, as opposed to shooting about 35% on the year last year uh, as a whole. And, and over the, the stretch of ever since the Houston game, I believe we're shooting at about 29%. So just, we know we're way better than that. Um, I think most Alabama fans know we're way better than that. Um, and, you know, the thing about shooting is it comes and goes very quickly. You know, it, all, all it takes is one game in which you get hot and the whole thing turns around and all of a sudden we're shooting it great. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of shooting drills in practice for sure, but, I mean, we have guys that work so hard on their game outside of practice that I don't even know if we necessarily need that. I just think it's just going to take one game where we kind of get it going and kind of get our swagger back. And all of a sudden, um, I think it will just flow from there. I, I'm really not too stressed about it because I know that at some point it's going to happen. We're not going to just keep shooting like this. So it's only a matter of time. But obviously, uh, I'd like to have it happen sooner rather than later. And I got to ask you, man, you had two corner threes, one from each corner, um, and then the free throw. What happened on the free throw? I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think God has a very good sense of humor. Um, every time I've talked to Coach Oates about free throws, like every time, I'm like, look, if you put me in the game, you can check my high school stats out. I do not shoot free throws. Like you just aren't going to have to worry about that at all. I think my senior year, I shot 225 threes and 10 free throws. My uh, junior year, I shot 200 threes and shot four free, throw, free throws. So, like, I was like, this isn't going to happen. Don't worry about it. And then, of course, the first possession I'm in the game, I, I lay the ball in, and I hear the whistle, and I'm like, did I just get a foul? Am I going to the free throw line right now? And I was like, you know, that's the one thing that I think I was, you know, looking back, I don't think I was really nervous about any of it at all. I, I think when I went to the free throw line, that was the one time where I was like, out of the flow of the game, if that makes any sense. And I think that, that was the one thing that wasn't going to happen for me. The threes missed the first one short. The second one I thought was good. It was just a little left, but, you know, it happens. It'll fall. I'm not too stressed about it. It's always about the next shot. That's okay. And if you're astute, if you're an astute Britton Johnson fan like myself or your dad, Britton, um, Jay, shout out Jay Johnson. That's those shots that you took, those threes, those corner threes, and that layup going up against the backboard. I mean, that's like your bread and butter because Jay, Jay and Amanda will get there early for warmups. And that's like, you know, that's where you're getting a lot of your shots. If you're generally as a walk on, if you're rebounding for your teammates shooting, you go through those team drills where you're coming up from the bet, you're driving baseline and you're either laying it up or you're throwing it down, and then you're shooting those corner threes as well. So, you know, you, it's not to say that you hadn't warmed up for those specific shots. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know. I mean, I, I, I was warmed up for, for those shots, I think. Uh, I mean, again, I, I felt like I was ready to go in, but, you know, at the same time, after having not played a single meaningful minute of my four years, it, you're not exactly shooting – game shots every single rep of, of warm-ups, which is something I'll have to learn from uh, should that ever happen again, you know, kind of be a little bit more ready for it. Yeah, and so we're going to jump into this week, talking about Georgia game, Baylor game here in a second. 
Um, but whoever the mystery man is that runs the Britton Johnson burner has a been supplying fantastic content and memes. There we go. So thank the you. Shout out. Thank you for that. This is finally the shout out. Whoever, whoever's listening, turn yourself in to me. I will keep you anonymous. Um, unless I do not like you. And in which case I will not keep you anonymous, but they've been supplying, supplying great content. And, uh, I bet you a lot of people followed that account last night thinking that it was you and then like not even reading the burner because they were popping off more tweets and more memes than mean streets could in the th- those three and a half minutes that that quick stretch yeah i hope that they don't think that's me that would that would damage my reputation for sure um yeah but but shout out to the burner account uh it has brought me a, a lot of laughter in the last few weeks um i've i've thoroughly enjoyed it i've kind of narrowed it down to a few suspects but until we have it confirmed i i I won't uh i won't expose those uh those suspects they will come forth in due time that's for sure um hey full moon barbecue gift card on me if you turn yourself in so more than likely you're a college student more than likely you need a free dinner so come come turn yourself in and, and i'll buy you some full moon um Britton, let's go ahead and talk about this week. We mentioned Tuesday at Georgia. That's definitely a winnable game, but not something you can just sleepwalk into in Athens. That game on Tuesday is at 5.30 Central on the SEC Network. Saturday's game, the SEC Big 12 Challenge, that one's at 3 p.m. Central on ESPN, a non-conference game, so a little bit of a breather, but not really a breather because that was a Final Four team last year and currently one of the best teams in the country. Talk to us about this week and – the Bulldogs and the Bears, who are on Bama's radar. Yeah, so, I mean, you look at Georgia's resume, right, and they're, I think, 0-6 in conference, and so um, it's really easy to overlook them. I, I think it would uh, be foolish of us to do so. You look at the actual games themselves, they've been in just about every single SEC game that they've played. Uh, many of those games have gone down to the wire and, you know, just – kind of not gone their way. So they're, they're due a win. Uh, from our perspective, we have to make sure that that win doesn't come Tuesday, right? So um, winning on the road in the SEC is hard. Um, shoot, just look at the Missouri game, right? Uh, I think everyone – I think Vegas thought we were going to win that game pretty handily. Uh, and obviously it didn't work out that way. So uh, winning on the, on the road in the SEC is hard. So we got to go in with an attitude of uh, – really just being hungry, like hungry for a win going into that game and, and just really being locked into Georgia uh, and the challenge that they present. They're, they're a good team. They got uh, uh, actually a lot of good players. Um, and so it's going to be a tough game for us. And it's going to be all about, you know, us playing to the standard that, that we've created for ourselves here. And, and if we do that, I think it'll all work out. But, you know, if we, if we don't, then – It'll be hard for us to win that game. And then then go into Saturday, obviously, you know, I definitely wouldn't describe Baylor as any kind of breather. They're a top five team in the country. We're number one prior to dropping a couple of games uh, a week. It's or a two breather ago. in terms of conference play. I want to get that asterisk yeah. out there and mention that it's a step away from conference play, except you're stepping right back in to the Lions den playing one of the best teams in the country. No, absolutely. I know what you meant. But uh yeah, I mean it is gonna be a terrific game for us. Uh obviously Baylor won the national championship last year. So you're, te- you're playing a team that has 
a championship culture, championship pedigree. And um, although they lost some great players in that team, they have a bunch of returning uh, high minute players. And so we're playing against a team that knows what it takes to win a national championship and they know what it takes to win big games. And so uh, it's a really exciting challenge. Like I, I'm very, very pumped for this game. Uh, it's a home game. So I'm hoping Bama fans really show out for that one because, uh, you know, we have a, I don't think it's a secret. We have a really big stretch coming up, uh, you know, start with Georgia, but then you have uh, Baylor at Auburn hosting Kentucky. Uh, just a real gauntlet and we're going to be on our a game for this entire stretch and so we need the fans to come out and provide that extra boost if we're going to come out and and have a really strong stretch here so uh it should be a great game i'm really excited for it and uh yeah like we haven't started scouting them or anything but you you know a little bit about them just in terms of the program that they built and i've watched them play a couple of times and it's just kind of like i watched them play west virginia and you know, West Virginia looks like they had them on the ropes and man, these guys are just winners. Like they get down to the last four minutes and it's just Baylor just took over, just got all the stops in the world, made all the shots when they needed to. All of a sudden it's a 10 point game. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a terrific challenge for us for sure. I'm really excited about that one. Bama's gotten some really good games in that SEC big 12 challenge in past year. So we will see the Baylor bears in Tuscaloosa on Saturday, 3 p.m. If you can't make that one, it'll be televised on ESPN. And then Tuesday at Georgia, 5.30 on the SEC Network. We've talked about your experience in Saturday night's game versus Missouri. I've talked about your conversation with Coach Oates. We have mentioned the burner. So whoever the anonymous person is, is welcome to come forward in exchange for some free full moon barbecue. Let's go ahead and jump into our mailbag questions. I asked on Twitter today, if anybody had um, questions or topics they wanted us to discuss, and I think we've probably covered all of our bases, but we got a couple of questions for you, Britton. The first one's from T. He said, do we have a set rule to switch on screens slash movement? I ask because they all seem to be doing different things and leaving open shooters consistently because they aren't communicating to switch or stay. So what's kind of the policy um on defending the defending on ball on the screen and then also when you're defending the screener yeah i mean our our screen rules are completely dependent on the matchup and on you know the player personnel that's in the game at the time so it's something that's you know constantly evolving uh a lot of times we'll switch one through four but uh sometimes we'll this kind of where we get into the uh, terminology a little bit we'll go to a corral for like Charles a little bit, which is more of a drop coverage. Sometimes we'll we'll blitz ball screens, which is uh, more of like a, a trap, but it's really just trying to send the ball, uh, the guy with the ball back um, and then just kind of get out of there. And then we have, uh, you know, a flat show and a hard show, which are it's kind of a hard hedge. Um, so those are kind of our, you know, ball screen coverages that we typically use. And it's really just dependent on on who we're going up against, uh, like if, you know, if we're guarding a shooter at the four, a lot of times we'll hard show so we can get back to him and he can't just pick and pop and get wide open threes on us. And then in terms of off ball coverage, um, yeah, we, we switch a lot of, of cuts, just especially when it's the, we call it the MIG, the most important guy, which is the guy kind of anchoring the defense um, at the restricted area. So 
a lot of times he'll, if there are two guards backside and one of them cuts, he'll take the guy that cuts. So that way he doesn't have to change mig. We don't have to change migs. We can kind of keep it. And the other guy can stay backside. But uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's some of the terminology there. Love that. Appreciate you sharing that insight. That is, uh, if you're not a basketball fan, or even if you are a basketball fan, that can definitely be a foreign language. Uh, so that's kind of cool to get that insight and that terminology, uh, a little bit more of an understanding there. Uh, we'll get to Hunter Johnson's question here in a second, but I want to ask for your, we've done this um, some on the podcast. We haven't done it as much recently. I want to ask you to give a shout out to a player, coach, or staff member, or even a manager um, that's kind of had uh, played a big role recently. Uh, somebody that looks, that has left an influence on the program, whether that is seen or unseen. Well, shoot. How can you not talk about James Rojas right now? Um, I mean, this row coming back is Jimmy basketball. Added, yes. Yeah. I mean, he just added a, a guy that's going to come in and, you know, play 100% effort, intensity, toughness, every single time he's on the floor. Um, I mean, some of the plays he made down the stretch in that Missouri game were absolutely crucial to winning that game. You know, he started to extend the pressure a little bit, and that really helped us get stops in the last eight minutes. Um, and that's kind of when we started to take over the game. But you look at some of the individual plays that Roe made, uh, you had three buckets in the game. All three were offensive rebound tip-ins, all three. So, I mean, he was just all over the place had a charge, off-ball charge, which was actually only our second on the year. We're really good at taking on-ball charges, but uh, working on getting better at taking off-ball charges. And, um, yeah, just in terms of just he's going to hit on box outs every single time. He's going to crash every single time. He is going to do the blue-collar stuff. Um, I man, think hit might, might even be too light of a word. Like, he's going to obliterate on rebounds and box out situations. You better not get in the way. Yeah, he, he will move you from point A to point B. There is no doubt about that. Um, but it's just great to have a guy that plays with that level of physicality back. And, uh, I mean, shoot, I think everyone's already seen the impact that he's had and uh, can't wait for him to – I mean, shoot, he's still a little he's still a little rusty. Like, he, he's still working his way back a little bit. So, uh, he's only going to get better with time, and, and it's just been great to have him back. Well, it's great to see him, and I love that Aaron Jordan's using the bull emoji every time he tweets a picture of Roe. I love to see that um, on the Twitter the Twitter scroll, the Twitter feed. Hunter Johnson wants to know if you think hot dogs uh, are a sandwich, yes or no? See, that's tough. It's tough because I think so, right? Like, how could they not be? I guess that's the question. How could they not be? What do you think? Because they're not. That's that's how they could not be because they're not a sandwich. They're a hot dog. But that's that's the only response people have. It's like, oh, no, it's not a sandwich. Just a hot dog is a hot dog. But you have no explanation behind it. it do you I mean, ever do you ever say, like, if you're going to get a hot dog, do you ever say, oh, I'm going to go get a sandwich? No. Is it a sandwich stop? No, it's a hot dog stop. If you ask me if I classify it as a sandwich, I would actually say yes, because um, shoot, is a hamburger a sandwich? uh yeah okay so what's different it's about got hot two dogs? separate pieces of bread and then meat and cheese and whatever you want to put on it in the middle yeah what about a sub uh sub sandwich you go to jimmy john's 
if yeah, yeah. if the bread do- is connected, it's not a sandwich. It's a sub. It could be a sub sandwich if oh, it is sub my bread. Gosh. You yeah. don't even believe yourself right now. You don't even believe yourself. You're telling me if you go to, let's say, Jimmy John's, right? I don't go to Jimmy John's. Uh, no free shout outs. Um, I only eat at full moon. Let's say a, a, an adjacent restaurant like a Jimmy John's and you get a sandwich. You're telling me that is not a sandwich. You're, you're like, oh. I got a sub. I didn't get a sandwich. You would like correct know. people if they said I got oh, a sandwich. First of all, I don't even know what they make at Jimmy John's because it, it ain't it ain't sandwiches. I ain't eating that. I've had one of I have had one thing in my life from their uh establishment, I guess you want to call it. And it was delivery at 2 a.m. freshman year. So it that A doesn't count, but B, it just was not any good. Oh man, you you it's mountain a sub. guys. A sub your, is uh, different. You mountain bird guys, and you're this high standard of uh, eating. You, is is that just too low for you? Too low. Britton Johnson, Mountain Brook High School class of 2018. Hmm. Hey, you know, there was the the great thing about Shaq's comment last night was, yeah, hearing. I just would love to like be like, yes, the Mountain Brook kid on the team is the most blue collar kid on the team. That that really lines up well. Um, <laughs> nothing screams blue collar like Mountain Brook. Um, yeah, my, Michael Casagrande was... tweeted that he said the the Mountain Britton Johnson Mountain Brook native with the blue collar play getting three offensive rebounds in three minutes, and there was a lot of feedback on that, which I appreciated. <laughs> yeah, that's always funny. But you're trying to shift the topic a little bit because the hot dog is a sandwich. Um, All right, fine, fine. We can agree and, to disagree. Yeah. That's okay. 100%. Um, let's see. Let's go back. We have a couple more questions. Drew Champlin wants to know if Britain, did you get any post-game words of encouragement from guys like Greg Cage or Jim Bakken or Blake Thrasher? Some of the Alabama greats that have come before you. Greats. Um, yeah, I mean, not not Jim, but I will say uh, Jenny Bakken, who actually was my teacher in uh, in junior high. Yeah, she was my ninth grade teacher too. Now my coworker. And uh, yeah, and and so she's great. Uh, reached out to me, sent a very kind message. So I will say that was on behalf of both of them. But uh, you know, it's an honor to carry the torch of uh, of I don't, I don't want to include myself in the with the word great, but but great Alabama walk-ons and and obviously if you're gonna if we're gonna talk about great Alabama walk-ons, you can't not include the great Antoine Petway. It's an absolute legend. And so uh, just a legend of a walk-on. Uh, he, he has set the standard of what it is to, to be great at, at that role. So uh, shout out, Pet. And, and he you, said, you're, he not, you're not great if you don't get in in significant time. I don't know if I said that right. But you got in in significant minutes. That makes you a great. That automatically qualifies you. It's like Lawson's behind the back pass in the tournament in 2018 that made him a great solidified him and so your minutes versus missouri saturday night solidified you so just just know you go down in the history books well well i'm humbled by that obviously the law dagger is another guy that's just the standard of excellence uh you know tv tv got meaningful minutes uh, a couple years ago as well so uh he, he is high up on that list well he he entered legend status when he hit that step back three He's been a legend. That was just to solidify his standing. 
Yeah. And uh, so I've got this book on Alabama basketball history. I need to have it like by my computer when we record this podcast. Um, but it got like it goes all the way back to like the 19 teens, the 1920s, talking about like the first coach in Alabama basketball history, the Rocket Eight in the 50s. And shout out to Leon Marlare. He was at Birmingham Tip-Off Club. Uh, if you're not in the Birmingham Tip-Off Club, you should join that. Uh, it's a great organization. We meet every two weeks. Anyways, no free shout outs. Um, but yeah, that Alabama basketball book of history will have your name in it here very soon. Britton, I will let you have the final word in a minute. I want to remind everybody to follow us on social media. Once again, if you're new and this is your first time checking out the podcast, be sure to like and subscribe our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. Merchandise is available on bandwagonsports.com. That's bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop and then click on Mean Streets. Follow us on social media. Be sure to check out our great friends at Full Moon Barbecue. That's going to do it for week 12 of the Mean Streets podcast. I'm Britton. I am William Galloway. You are Britton Johnson. And nice. Britton, you have got the final word. I'm kind of rusty. We took that week off, you know, two weeks yeah. ago. Um, Britton, you've got the final word. Take it home for us. Man, I don't want to get, you know, too serious all of a sudden, but just want to say, you know, I really appreciate um, everybody's, you know, well wishes, their uh, support and, and their love that they've kind of sent my way over the last 24 hours. It's meant the world to me. Um, you know, all I can say is it's just a testament that, that, that God is good and he is faithful. And, um, man, I'm just grateful right now. So, uh, everybody have a great week. Would love to see you all on Saturday in Coleman Coliseum. Um, it's going to be a big one. So, uh, it's going to be hopefully the, the continuation of what is a great streak going. 